Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah! All right, here we go. Friday, 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 Friday. Cofield and Company. Damon is back in the Finley Toyota Studios. I am in parts unknown in West Texas. Juarez, El Paso. Who knows? Who knows? Adam Hill is down at Treasure Island inside the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Adam, what's going on, buddy? Big football weekend on the way. It is. Uh, well, it's a big music weekend on the way, Steve. Football is very, very secondary, but uh, a lot of good music going on. And, you know, there'll be a game played around it on Sunday night, I guess. But let's be honest. Nobody's going to be there to watch Raiders Steelers. Everybody's there for halftime and Lil Wayne. All right. We're going to be able to hear it. Uh, as fans watching TV, I don't know. No, in in the stadium. Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Why? What What else is part of the big music weekend? Oh, Kendrick Lamar tomorrow night. It's Life is Beautiful weekend. Kendrick Lamar tomorrow. Uh, of course, Las Vegas is on the Killers tonight, but Saturday the big night downtown. It's going to be great. Uh, iHeart's here also. That's why Lil Wayne is here to play the Raiders game. So it's a it's a massive music wow. weekend in town. That is gigantic. Yeah. What are you going to? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to Killers tonight, uh, just to kind of get a lay of the land for tomorrow. Scope out the good areas for Kendrick Lamar. Uh, I will be there very early, getting ready and uh, getting set up. It's going to be tremendous. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. I'm excited. You love music, so double dipping some music and some football, kind of big. Are you going to have time to watch uh, your Michigan Wolverines after a lackluster three zero start against uh, my Rutgers Scarlet Knights? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to check it out. Um, you know, there's some really don't, good college football games don't, tomorrow. Come on, don't laugh. It's not laugh, okay? I'll watch it. I'm not, I'm not worried. I probably shouldn't say that because I don't want DeMond to play it back on Monday, but uh, not, not a game I'm worried about. I mean, there's a lot of good college football games this week. That'll be one of them I have tuned in as I'm I, uh, waiting for the concert to start. I got a text from one of our friends who said that uh, one of the Big Ten personalities, uh, Jerry DiNardo, who is a former coach in the Big Ten, said that Michigan is going to have a tough time because of their weak schedule in the first three games. What the hell does that mean? Uh, what a shot at UNLV. I know. I don't think that was a specific shot at UNLV. Well, um, I clearly don't, is. I don't know that their opponent this week is – that much stronger than the other three teams they played. Although uh, Rutgers did take out Virginia Tech pretty easily, Northwestern pretty easily. What that means, though, when they play Michigan, uh, I'm not exactly sure because uh, the last couple of years have been close, but they've been boat raced multiple times by Harbaugh, who is also back off his suspension, so he may be super fiery and uh, actually throw the ball a little more and get J.J. McCarthy back in the right direction after three INTs last week. Uh, and to your point, uh, I mean, the odds would suggest that they're a much better opponent than Michigan has played the first couple weeks, for sure. <laughs> much? Yeah, they're much. Like, they're, they're 24. Uh, that's a good point. They were laying, what, 36? I can't remember what they were laying in the last game. But, uh, yeah, it's probably about 10 points down from what the odds makers have had them at. Yeah. So, you know, most competitive game on paper that Michigan has played so far. You should be proud of that. All right, well, let's set up the NFL weekend by going back to last night. Giants and Niners. Uh, you wrote that the Niners are kind of scary right now. Why? Yeah. Uh, did you see Daniel Jones' eyes? <laughs> that was 
Well, for, first of all, you, you have to admit, he's kind of a weird – he's – I don't even know how to describe him. He's very robotic, and he's got this, like, square – I don't know if it's like a model's face, but he's got this strong jaw, and he just – he does – his eyes dart around in general. But, yeah, that shot inside the helmet as yeah. he was looking over the defense for the Niners, it was pretty weird. Looked like he was watching a, a horror film. He didn't know where to look. He was he was terrified. I mean, I, th- I think it kind of said it all. And, you know, his play indicated that he was probably very scared uh, to be out on the field. But, yeah, I mean, they're, they are they're terrorizing opponents. They are so efficient in their offense. You know what I feel about Shanahan and, and what he does. And uh, we've seen that, you know, it's spread to Mike McDaniel as well. I mean, the, that, you know, that group does really, really amazing things offensively. And puts players in a great position, and obviously the the collection of defensive players that the Niners have is pretty intimidating as well. So yeah, I think they are a scary team right now for everyone else in the NFC. But um, I, I think the scary thing was the terror in Daniel Jones' eyes. It was a little bit weird. Yeah, it's probably the terror of walking on the field realizing you have little chance unless you basically pull off a Randall Cunningham and run the hell out of the ball and hit on some bombs because the Giants are not really well equipped to compete right now with the top teams in the National Football League? Uh, no. Uh, and I I mean, I think Daniel Jones is the problem. Like, we've, you know, I, I think we t- kind of talked on this show of why are they committing to him? He's not the answer. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes, like what happened last year, uh, you find a way to have some success and then think that you're better than you were. I think it's something that happened to the Raiders. Uh, it's, you know, what I called fool's gold. I think the Raiders experienced it when they made the playoffs when they weren't very good. And you're like, all right, well, we'll just build on that and continue going to the playoffs. And, like, no, you weren't good. Just because you're in – I mean, how much of a theme has this been for this show for since we've been yeah. doing it? Like, your record is not what you think it is. Like, your your record – if you have a good record, doesn't mean you're good. If you win a playoff game, doesn't mean you're good. Like, there's circumstances sometimes. And the Giants got there in smoke and mirrors and thought they were good, and they're not. And they committed to Daniel Jones, and it was a big mistake. Yeah, and a 17-game season really, I know people don't want to buy this, but a 17-game season really is a short sample. Very short. It's incredibly short. And again, we you know we talked about the Raiders in, in 2021. They made the playoffs. And how many games did they beat backup quarterbacks? And how many games did they kind of win fluky results at the end? Like, you can't, you can't be tricked by those things. But way too often we just look at a final record and say, hey, that's what they are. Like, no, they're not. Yeah, I don't even understand what happens with Kirk Cousins over a long haul because it's a pretty good sample of him and his team not playing well in primetime. Uh, the latest on Daniel Jones is now 1-11 record in primetime. Uh, that is the worst for any quarterback who's got at least 10 starts in primetime since 1970, and he's never won as a double-digit underdog, which I guess isn't no. crazy. Uh, no. But, yeah, he's uh, he's 0-8 in those situations. You're supposed to lose those games, but maybe an upset here or there. But you're not going to pull an upset, or you're not going to find an upset when you're 1-11 in prime time. It also makes sense if you're playing poorly at night when you look like you're terrified of everything. Are you really stuck he's on the ice? Gotta be, he's got to be scared of the dark. <laughs> All right, coming up, Mark McGillan's going to break down that game, break down what happened to the Raiders, look ahead to what's going to happen with the Raiders. I'm sure he'll be at the game against the Steelers. I want to remind you that uh, Treasure Island, that's where we are, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. You want to try the fish and chips special. Uh, also comes with a collector glass. They just added carne asada fries, and breakfast is back on the weekends. 
9.30 a.m. to 12, so uh, Saturday and Sunday. That means games like uh, the aforementioned Rutgers and Michigan. You can get some grub, some uh, breakfast grub in the mornings, and that uh, menu is also available from 2 a.m. That's every night, 2 a.m. until close. So uh, get on down today or tomorrow over the weekend, really seven days a week. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Play action fake. Lava steps up, throws deep down the middle of the field. He's got an open man. Ricky White at the five. Touchdown! Jacob De Jesus with the bomb gets the Rebels the lead back. A strike from Jaden Lava off the play action fake. A big time play when it's needed. The Rebel offense comes through. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island on ESPN Las Vegas. There we go. UNLV with the big win against Vanderbilt. Call there by Russ Langer and Caleb Herring on Learfield. you hear those guys tomorrow with a pregame for UNLV at UTEP at 5 o'clock kickoff is 6 o'clock Pacific. Let's bring in Mark McMillan. Mark, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. How you guys doing? What an amazing finish that was uh, Saturday night as UNLV takes down a Power 5 team in Bandy. Yeah. Um, interesting because... UNLV really didn't have much success for the first eight or nine quarters of the season in terms of landing the deep ball. And then when they really needed it down the stretch, they hit De Jesus with like four and a half, 345 left in the game on a 48-yarder. And then, man, guts of a burglar, the coaching staff, and also Jade Maiava, who was in for uh, Doug Brumfield, hits Ricky White down the left sideline. I mean, they threw deep, they converted, and that won them the game. Yeah, that was that was a gutsy call, like you said. Um, you know, earlier uh, past couple of seasons, they wasn't winning games like this. They were on the on the back end of close games like that. But they fought through, man. They were down. Uh, you know, field goal kicker. Obviously, he was a player of the week, which is a uh, big kudos to him. Kept him close at all times. Uh, but for those guys to not give up, you know, throw an interception late. I'm thinking like, oh my god, this is it. And then they come back and they miss the field goal. And then obviously, you know, uh, you know, they take a shot. You and LB take a shot. Uh, you know, with the big tap pass down the down the sideline to uh, set them up to win the game was was very impressive. Uh, you know, I thought the D line did really good against uh, a very physical Vanderbilt team. I thought they tackled really well in space. Uh, UNLV did, and you know they came away with the ran the, with the win. You know, they ran the ball really well. Uh, that set up a lot of those passes, and there was a lot of drop passes as well on UNLV side that could have kept the game a lot closer earlier. Mark, uh, obviously everybody saw this coming. UNLV one SEC win, Alabama zero. <laughs> you know, shoot the way Alabama's playing right now, man. UNLV might beat them too. We, you know, we're still shuffling quarterbacks. <laughs> what What is going on with your team? Um, you know, identity. Um, you know, there's no identity. Um, it seems like a lack of uh, discipline. Uh, this team is causing way too many penalties. Uh, guys are not in place. Um, you know, we go three quarterbacks deep, and, you know, obviously we have a big game against Ole Miss, and everybody knows Lane Kiffin is already chirping. You know, he said, well, the good thing about Alabama this year is they don't have Bryce Young. So uh, Lane Kiffin always taking the shots at, at uh, Alabama, as he should right now, uh, because we're willing, man. I, I don't, I've never seen us, you know, this bad at, at the quarterback position in a long time, and I guess we got spoiled, you know, you having uh, three or four first-round picks. Uh, that starting quarterbacks in the NFL now that we got a little, little, little full, man. We got a little full of that uh, Dreamland barbecue down there. <laughs> Mark, I want to switch Mark it over. Mark 
Good, good, Amon. Oh, I was going to say I wanted to switch it over to the NFL. Mark, did you watch last night's game? Yeah. I've got to ask you, did we get fooled by the Giants last year? <laughs> man, it, it, I, people are really going after Daniel Jones, man. I said Daniel Jones last night uh, hit the New York lottery. You know, I know, uh, you know, they had a lot of offensive linemen that was out, but they looked terrible all, all week, and they, and, they, and they still had a uh, opportunity to lose the ball game to the Cardinals. They just came back to well, – obviously, we know the Cardinals are tanking to get Caleb anyway – but, man, the Giants look really, really bad. And, uh, you know, I I'm happy because the Eagles are still looking, you know, uh, subpar. Uh, but as far as the Giants, what is going on with those guys? So I want to keep it in your division then. The, the Eagles are looking good, but the Cowboys, after last week's game, before we found out what happened to Trevon Diggs yesterday at practice, I thought the Cowboys were looking like the best team in the NFC. What do you think about that? I, I agree with you. You know, it, it hurts me and pains me to say that the Cowboys are better than the Eagles at this point, but it is true. You know, they are running the ball really well. Their defense is playing lights out. Uh, you know, Chandler Parsons right now, man, that young man is playing at a Lawrence Taylor level, Derek Thomas level. Yes, I said it, man. That young man is, is, a, is, a, is a gem, and he's playing really well. Um, Dak hasn't had any turnovers yet. That is shocking. Because usually I have like three or four of at this uh, time of the season. But uh, don't sleep on the Washington Commanders either. Mark, hold on. Really? Set, settle down. Sleep on the Commanders. But also, <laughs> here's my issue because the Cowboys have looked great. Nobody can deny that. Who have yeah. they played? You know what, you know what uh, Adam, man? You know in the NFL, man, it's hard to win one game. So you got to go out there and beat whoever's on your schedule. And, you know, you can say they're not really good, but – it's tough to get wins in this in this league, man. So I gotta give uh, the Cowboys uh, they're just due right now. So and then you know they I think they play the 49ers in two weeks, so that'll be a real good test to see how they really fare off. Mark McMillan is up on Cofield and Company. So I want to hit back on a couple things in there. Um, one, you know, we see a guy like Nick Chubb go down, and a lot of people feel yeah. like, hey, the, the combination of Ford and Kareem Hunt. They'll be okay. There's a whole notion that, hey, running backs are replaceable. Diggs goes down for the Cowboys. How easy is it to replace a guy you can have on an island who is a ball hawk, who causes turnovers? I, I, I mean, I think this is a major, major loss. Yeah, it is a big loss. Whenever you can lose, lose a guy that can, uh, you know, lock down your, your number one receiver. Um, you know, I think he had like 18 interceptions over the last couple of years, which is tops in the NFL. It's hard to, uh, you know, get guys like that. You know, you see it each week, man. There's a lot of defensive backs that are in position to make plays, but he makes those plays, and he makes them, and he runs them back for touchdowns. So he's a difference maker. Uh, I know that everybody's always saying next man up, but it, it, that, that's a big next man up, you know, losing yes. the digs who's, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's a real big loss for the secondary. And hopefully, uh, you know, he, he can be all right. I know he said his surgery went well. Um, so I'm happy that that happened for that young man. Of course, he's a battle guy, but uh, losing Diggs is a big-time loss to that secondary. So let's go back to the Giants and, you know, getting walked over uh, by the Niners <laughs> offense. Uh, first, I saw you criticizing Kayvon Thibodeau, who, you know, is supposed, by oh now he should be a guy who's a 13-sack guy and a real contributor. Uh, you thought he oh. had a really bad game? Uh, I, I, I haven't seen him yet. I, I don't know. I see him out there. Uh, just jumping around, you know, jumping inside on on, uh, on plays that's to the outside. He's losing containment. It doesn't seem like he has that fire. Um, I think he was more fired up last year. I think he had he kicked somebody or did something crazy. 
uh, last year. But this year, you know, you go if you're the top dog, man, you got to make a difference. And uh, even in, in some of the coverages that they had him in on one play, he was literally turning around in circles looking for the receiver, which is like unheard of if you're practicing. If you got the drop, you know, it's like a, bl- a, a, z- a, a blitz zone where the DN drops into, into coverage. The guys practice this all the time. For, for, for goodness sake, Reggie White even knew how to drop in the zone coverage, and we only did that one time just because he said he wanted to be a DB for one play. But Thibodeau, man, he came out highly regarded uh, at, at Oregon, and I haven't seen him uh, perform yet. Mark McMillan is up on Cofield & Company ESPN Las Vegas here on a football Friday. We're set up at uh, Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. So the Raiders have now moved out to a two-and-a-half-point favorite against the Steelers. I want to break down, and Adam wants to break down, and so does Damon, uh, the game against the Steelers. But let me go back to last week. Uh, one of the things that happened in the aftermath, you saw the video with Devontae Adams talking about a Bills defensive back taking pot shots. What's your reaction to that as a former defensive back? Did you understand what Adams was saying about really not knowing how to play the game, uh, that this dude was out of control? Yeah, when you're up by that many points, um, you know, you come from the other side of the field and you take a shot on uh, Devontae like that, um, I'm not going to say it's personal because I really don't know that young man. But as a player, you know, uh, you know it's a violent game. You just don't take cheap shots like that, and especially when you're up by 20-something points and you still try to take a shot on a guy like that. And I, I, The young man didn't even really play the whole game, so for him to get in at that particular time to be like, yo, this is my opportunity to take a shot, um, I think it was kind of cheap. Yeah, and were you a little – were you surprised or – I? I guess it's kind of it's kind of tricky, but Devontae took some real vicious shots at Taylor yeah. Rapp. I mean, what he said uh, got pretty yeah. personal. And Taylor Rapp's response was basically, hey, I'm just going to keep playing hard. Like, do you have to fire <laughs> back? If you're a DB, do you have to fire back? And, like, like he he basically questioned everything about you. Yeah, he did. He did. He, he basically questioned everything besides his manhood. Yeah. Uh, you know, he really went after him, man, you know, for – for Devontae, we all know you know we've been around him a while since he's been here. He's not a guy that's going to go out and and really go after a player, uh, especially in the media. Uh, for him to really go after him like that, uh, you know, was personal. I'm sure he's going to mark that on his calendar if they ever have an opportunity to play again. Uh, but as a defensive back, man, you you know, it's a rough game, man. I, I can't say uh, if I wouldn't have said the same thing, you know, back in the day because uh, we had some guys that we went after, and you know, we didn't apologize for anything and. Uh, I'm sure that's why a lot of people didn't like the Eagles in our defense back in the day anyways. Do you think that the game could have been closer if the Raiders had just stayed home and not been in West Virginia? Uh, you know what? I, I sent out that uh, tweet. I, I know Adam was out there. He was uh, he was cruising with the guys over there in Mountaineer country. I'm thinking, like, why would you go way over there and isolate yourself? Uh, you know, as a player, you know, you get a routine. You like to come home and, and uh, you know, wake up in your own bed. And, and, you know, it's a routine that you get used to. And, all of a sudden, after week one, you ship us out to West Virginia. This is not tra- – that's when you send the guys to training camp where there's no distraction. You don't send a guy – send the guys to West Virginia, you know, after a, a big-time win on the road. You want to come back and celebrate with your friends and family, and you send us off to West Virginia? Man, it's – that was a bad move, if you ask me. That's just me speaking personally. Do you, do you think it's – West Virginia, I mean, it's easy to make fun of West Virginia. Trust me, I was there all week. It's awful. Uh, it's easy to make fun of West Virginia, but do you think it's when you go practice on the road in general? Because I'll tell you another team that practiced on the road this whole week, the Giants. Oh, my gosh. 
Yeah. Well, well, there you have it. There you have it. Uh, two teams <laughs> that practice on the road like that. Uh, two teams that got drug on the road like that. So, like I said, it's it's a routine. I think we might may have did it one time in Philly. Um, I think it was like a huge snowstorm coming, so we went to Florida uh, and practiced at the, uh, the the Dodgers facility. Uh, but besides that, you know, it was like for two days. It wasn't like a whole week after we won a game. Uh, you know, besides the, the blizzard, you know, we came back and uh, obviously lost to the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs. We we actually got drugged, so maybe that's not a good thing uh, to, to to take your team away for a week away from their uh, from the home cooking. The Raiders can't run the ball, Mark. Uh, I don't think that matters. Uh, I'm not a believer in it. But they do. Like, they want to run it. They can't run it. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that a lot of guys have said is, look, teams know we have Josh Jacobs in the backfield. They know we want to run the ball. They're stacking yeah. the box. Uh, do you have to just figure it out and block nine guys, or can you just not run in that situation? Um, you still got to try to pound the ball. Um, you know, obviously the lot, the line is, uh, you know, we're looking for those guys from last year. Um, you know, they're not uh, opening up the holes that was last year. Like I said, everybody's keying on Josh. Uh, you know, just just hearing him talk in the locker room this this week, he said he wants to go for 180. You know, I'm sure he was looking at the uh, the film when before Nick Chubb got hurt, he was getting some really good yardage on the run against the Steelers up the middle. So hopefully they can find a, a soft spot in that Steelers defense up the middle. Uh, to get them some carries because if you can't run the ball in this league and, um, you know, you're not going to be successful. And, you know, he seemed like he was very upbeat in the locker room. Uh, he was excited, uh, you know, even had an opportunity to speak with Hunter Renfro as well, who's had very to no targets, um, you know, was was just excited about the opportunity that each week Josh says he's going to try to get him involved in the offense, but we haven't seen it yet. Uh, I, I still don't understand that one. Mark, it's not 1985 anymore. You don't have to run the ball to win. <laughs> well, you just got to run the ball to control the defense. And, you know, if you can't run the ball and you're just letting guys stack the box and you're not completing passes, um, you know, it's going to hurt. Uh, so, obviously, um, you know, you pay the guy a lot of money. You know, you figure out ways to get on the ball, uh, put them in different formations. And you just got to challenge guys up front, man. You just got to bite down on your dang old mouthpiece and just move guys out of the way. So, um, I'm not buying guys stacking the box. Uh, you know, Jimmy G's got to see that. And check to a different formation and, you know, try to get some uh, some execution going that way. But, you know, if you can't run the ball in the NFL, uh, you know, it's, it's a passing league, but you still have to run the ball and control the clock. All right, Mark, we appreciate it. Thanks for checking in. And uh, I assume you're going to the game against the Steelers. You're going to be there on Sunday night? I'll, I'll be there Sunday night, man. I'm excited. Uh, the snake is getting his ring, so I'll be there uh, cheering on his grandkids and uh, Kendra, his daughter. You know, they're huge Alabama fans. Uh, so I'm excited about that. And, man, Sunday night football, man, Raiders and Steelers. And uh, Mel Blount actually texted me and said he's going to be on at the game, so he's looking for me. Nice. So I'll, I'll be like a kid in the candy store, man. Mel Blount text <laughs> Mark oh, McKinley. How cool is that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, what was better on the grill this week, your steak or those fat chicken thighs you made? <laughs> man, the steak was delicious. <laughs> you know, I, I, I grilled the steak real good. I made some garlic mashed potatoes as well. Um, cook the steak to about 135, let the temperature rise up about 140. After you let it rest, I know Adam is not taking notes, but you got to let the steak rest, Adam, before you slice it to it. You let it rest when they bring it on your plate at the restaurant. <laughs> well, you know, hopefully they let it rest a little bit after they get it out of the, uh, the, the toaster oven or the grill or however they do it. But uh, in a restaurant, you know, sometimes when the steak is really good, you know, you don't have time to rest, so you can dive into it. But if you're cooking at home, Please let your steak rest. 
There you go. Lesson of the day. Thanks, Mark. We'll talk to you. I appreciate it, fellas. See you guys Sunday. Uh, this weekend, you want to watch NFL? You're going to watch it with Jared out at the Still in Inspirata or at the Still out in uh, Inspirata. I say out in because I don't live out there. But uh, for you folks who are close by, make sure you hang out at the Still with Jared. Great uh, game day specials, beers, four and five bucks, bucket special. Also have food specials like the uh, Bavarian pretzel. Got uh, barbecue chicharrones. All right. Uh, Fiesta chicken sliders. Also some uh, poutine and loaded stadium nachos. Sunday football with Jared Distill in Inspirata. Be there. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Adam Hill, your best meal on the road on your 10-day trip was what? He's giving me the silent treatment. I'll ask again. Adam Hill, what was your best meal on the road? There he is. Best meal on the road, Adam Hill, on your 10-day trip. Oh, man. Uh, wings and buffalo, I suppose, is the okay. is the right answer. Uh, I mean, the Shoney's and Ruby Tuesdays <laughs> of West Virginia were uh, memorable, I suppose. Yes, memorable. Well, nothing's going to be as nothing will ever be as memorable as your Shoney's in Delaware. That's true. That's true. Is that where it was? Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, was that, An- was that Andrew Cunanan? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty sad on my part. I could have maybe stopped a killing yep. spree and didn't. Yep. You want to explain who? If people don't remember who Andrew Cunanan is, uh, Andrew Cunanan is well, more, most importantly to me, uh, somebody that I encountered in a parking lot at a Shoney's in Delaware and yep. kind of thought he looked like a guy that was on the run. But I said, ah, he's not in this area. So why would yeah. it be him? So on didn't... the run, on the run from, uh, and this was after he had uh, murdered uh, Johnny Vers- uh, Versace. No, 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 no. He, it was, oh, it was before. before I could have, that's what I'm saying. I could have stopped it Oh, because he had, he had committed a couple murders in the Midwest and so when I saw him in Delaware, I was like, well, it's not him. He's not in this area. He was He's in the Midwest. But he was that guy from TV, I think. And didn't say anything. Finally decided to uh, to call the police and let them know. And uh, he then, I think he when he realized that people had seen him, he kind of took off. Yeah. And uh, then it turned out, oh, yeah, by the way, that guy from the Midwest that wasn't in this area, he did kill somebody last night 10 miles down the road. So he had just committed the murder, was looking for a place to rest. He was sleeping in the Shoney's parking lot, and uh, I probably could have stopped it. And then he went on the run to Miami and killed Versace. He probably could have been killed as well. So, uh, you know, that's a – Could have. It's not a – I don't know. It's very cavalier with it. Could have. Could have. Um, so I was asking you about food before we got to the, sure. uh, the weird part of that story at Shoney's. Well, Shoney's. I was asking you about food. Um, I'm compiling information for UNLV Broadcaster Bites. You know we do a podcast every week. We talk about the food during the football season, home and road. And last week was a home game. Uh, We did a 25-minute podcast on what was going to happen in El Paso and what happened this last week. And surprisingly, Caleb Herring came out with a nugget of rating some of the food he got at the press box at Allegiant as some of the best food he's had all season. So one of the best stadiums we go to as far as food, they treat the press sometimes in the, in the, on the road and at home to a meal. And 
Allegiant Stadium being one of the newer and one of the best, not just looking stadiums, but they have great service. They have great food. They have a great menu every time. This week, I think it was in some sort of homage to Nashville, Tennessee. They had sort of a Nashville hot infused buffalo chicken wing that Steve's sitting in front of. Uh, it was actually really, really good chicken wings. I got like a fresh batch. I was like right there in line when they dropped it off. The steam was still coming off. So I may have had a slanted uh, opinion of this, but I'm giving those like 77, 78, like close That's to incredible. 80 on, on the wing scale. They also had with them, you didn't have them. You just had a regular slider. Uh, your, your slider got slid. Uh, pork <laughs> sliders. Uh, the pork was actually good. You didn't experience well, it because your slider was meatless. Yeah, when they when they prepped the, my slider, I grabbed the one. They forgot to put the meat in, so I opened it. It was just barbecue sauce, the roll, and a pickle. Which I was like, I'll, I'll eat it anyway. But uh, but I have a long history of just loathing the media that complains about the free food they get. Now, when we're giving ratings on the road, we're paying for it. It's not food that we, we get gifted. But, any gifted food, any gifted anything, shut your mouth and appreciate it. That's how I feel. Yeah. Southern family, we always thought you're a child of the depression. Like, when you get food yeah. for free, you appreciate it. You eat it. And you, you finish your plate. Um, and that's just, you know, how you should do things. But I agree. Yeah, I'm right. Fortunately, uh, but we are paying for the food in most cases. The media, I'll say the generation before me, I've seen some experiences that are jaw dropping and they've actually cost the rest of us because there are a lot of venues now that actually make the media pay for their food at the game. Hey, you got a choice. You can pay like eight or 10 bucks in here or you can go down if you want. Get the concourse. And, and pay 25 bucks for, you know, a hot dog and a soda. It's your choice. And now they just complain and complain. But you did it to yourselves. I, I've seen you animals who are 65, 75, even my age, a little bit younger. You're greedy. Yep. They're greedy. It happens. It happens. And then, and then I think there are some people who intentionally mislead about their meals. And I had seen some dude tweet a picture of food and it just looked like kind of a very average burger and fries. And this was in the New Jersey, New York area. It was at Newark Airport, Adam. And you saw this, too, where a guy was like, this just cost me $78. Man, the economy in this country right now. Yeah. Real, it's tough. I mean, look, it, it did look like a disappointing plate of food for $78. $78 for a burger and fries. But it also, what did he not include in the tweet? And by the way, I'll also say it was a disappointing plate of food for $17, which is how much it actually cost. Wait, but his check, his check was $78 because, as the restaurant pointed out in the community notes to his tweet, which I Ooh. love that we can do this now, uh, his tab was $78 because 61 of it was his bar tab. Ah, oh, come on! Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. Uh, real quick, because we can build on this. Uh, Adam, you're at Allegiant all the time. Your reaction to Caleb saying he had really good food there in the press room? Uh, he's probably right. I mean, most of it is, is actually very good. Um, I will say, for UNLV games, nowhere close to as good as for Raiders games. So if uh, if Caleb thought it was good for UNLV, he should go check it out. There's some really bad ones, too. But I always want to say when we do this, like, I don't ever complain about it. Because, as you guys said, free, it's it's good. Like, we'll take it. But I know people always, always are like, why do you even get food? What's going on? You can't bring your own food. That's not allowed. And, like, I will be at a Raiders game for – I'll probably be at the stadium for 15 hours. Like, that's where – it's like – it's not like you're there for the same amount of time people are going to the game. 
You're there all day. So there is stuck there there for is a, a long time. reason. Right, there's a reason. It's not because I know what people are like, who cares? Like, I, I agree. We're not complaining about it because it's free, but it is very good. And there's a reason that they provide food because you are there for a long time and you can't bring your own. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Yepers, Adam Hill is manning the set at Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Get on down there. Uh, got a big night of Mountain West Conference football going down in just a little bit. 55 plus TVs. The sportsbook is open right now. If it's not, then you got 24 7 betting kiosks you can take advantage of. Uh, I'm in El Paso, and I assume Jacob Boggs is in El Paso as well. He's going to be the uh, analyst voice that you're going to hear on ESPN Plus for the game tomorrow. And Jacob is up with us here on Cofield and Company. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? Jacob, how you doing, buddy? I'm well. How are you? Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got you. We got you. All right, well, let's jump right into it uh, and talk about the start of the season for the Miners. So give me your impression of the 1-3 the and three start, and that does include a couple of games against Power 5 opponents. Yeah, so my expectation was I actually thought they were going to be 3-1. and one. I thought they were going to beat Jackson State in the first game, the home opener, and then I thought they were going to steal one from either Arizona or Northwestern. So... You know, I, my expectations were a little bit different, I suppose, to what the record shows right now. But, uh, you know, watching them preseason and practicing, I, I thought they, they really have a strong team, one of the better UTEP teams I've seen in a while. And uh, I, I did expect the record to be a little different. So what has been the issue? You know, good question. I, I think right now um, it seems that UTEP will get on a roll uh, either offensively or defensively, and it might be third and long, and then there's a rough in the passer call. So I think penalties and turnovers are the, are the two main issues right now. Their turnover margin uh, is, is low, so it's low as in they're not getting creating as many turnovers. So they need to one create more turnovers and you know just just play smarter, not not have those penalties. And once they could do that, they'll have, they'll be in some closer games and they'll come out with some W's. Sometimes those sometimes those things are pretty fixable and can get fixed, and sometimes they continue to linger and be issues. Do you get the sense that they are close to kind of turning the corner and fixing some of those things? I do. I, I think they are. Uh, you know, talking to Coach Dimmel today, he seems to think they are as well. Uh, you know, it's, it's been disappointing for him, of course, but um, I, I do believe that they're on the verge of, you know, doing some really good things. They just They just have to come together. And they have to play smart football. They they can't make a mistake. Cofield and Company, Jacob Boggs is with us. He's on the ESPN Plus call of UTEP hosting UNLV. So let's talk uh, defensive side of the ball first. Uh, what sort of defense does uh, Dana Dimmel and his team run? They run a four-two-five. So they got five defensive backs, and one one of those players, Elijah Johnson, kind of takes on the role as a DB and a linebacker as well. Okay. So what do you think of that setup? Because uh, alignment, basically UNLV has, uh, has brought in a 3-3-5, and it's had its moments of success, but it also it's had a little trouble uh, defending the deep shot. So how is the uh, 4-2-5, and I know it's not Dimble's first year, but how is this group, especially with a lot of JUCOs moving into the roster, how has this group handled the 4-2-5 so far? You know, I think they've handled it fairly well. They're – they're, they can definitely improve 
and their secondary, their their run game, their run defense is, is pretty solid. They were good last year, and they're good again this year. They've got a really good linebacker in, in Tyrese Knight, who Coach Dimmel says is one of the best linebackers he's ever been around. Um, they've got a you know defensive end, praise of Mayhew Lou and Maurice Westmoreland. Uh, those two guys are, are really good on the outside. They can pass rush well. They can run run stop. And Keenan Stewart and Tavita Tafuna. Keenan's uh, a stud coming back from last year. So they their run defense is, is really good. Uh, they do as far as passing game goes. I do see them needing a, a little bit of improvement there. Um, they're they're I, what I will say is that their defensive backs are not afraid to hit, which is nice. Jacob Boggs on the call of UNLV and UTEP that's going down tomorrow at uh, 6 o'clock with the kickoff Pacific time. Uh, we'll be on air on radio with our Ted Weens UNLV pregame show on ESPN Las Vegas at 5 o'clock. So I, I think there's plenty to play for in front of UTEP here. It's been a pretty good schedule to start up the season. Uh, in the end, the goal is to get to six or seven wins, and the goal is to win your conference. So you tell me because we're all in the shuffle game at all these different schools and you know, who knows what's going to happen with UNLV and something with the Pac-2 and uh, maybe something with the AAC. Where's you? I mean, it's crazy, right? It's hard to keep track of. Where is UTEP right now in terms of this conference? Because, again, Conference USA was affected by conferences above them pulling schools up. So what's the, the mood around the whole conference chaos thing when it comes to UTEP? You know, it's wild. Um, I think UTEP has an opportunity. I think any of these teams in Conference USA has, a, has an opportunity to – to win, to win the conference. Um, I think UTEP's right there with the rest of them. Uh, Western Kentucky's pretty good. Liberty's pretty good. So those are some of the teams to watch for. But, you know, UTEP has an opportunity. They just have to, they really, I mean, everybody says this all the time, one game at a time. And that's exactly what they need to do right now. I mean, they've got a little bit of leeway. They Can they lose this game? Yeah, they can. It's a non-conference game. But you got to start stacking up some wins, and, and they need it. Just not not just to win the game, but they need it going forward to build confidence and to move on in conference play. Um, as far as Conference USA goes, you know, it's, it's different. Uh, being a local El Paso, and, you know, we were always familiar with the old whack, and that was BYU, Colorado State, Utah, New Mexico, you know, Wyoming. So there were, there were some really good teams in that conference, and, and they left, and that parted ways in, in uh, I believe it was 99, and uh, UTEP and Hawaii were left behind out of the Mountain West. So I think that hurt UTEP a lot, and it definitely hurts the, um, uh, you know, the fans don't, they're used to that old conference here. And so now you've got teams all over the country, and one, their places are harder to get to, and two, people don't know who everyone is. So it's definitely, college football in general is just kind of crazy right now. Yeah, and you, you mentioned the fans, and, you know, there obviously was some optimism. They'd be a little bit better in terms of the record at this point, but it's the second home game. What kind of atmosphere do you expect? How much of a turnout is there, and how rabid is, is the fan base? You know, you, UTEP fans, they long for winning teams. They're, they're very supportive, but we've had so many losing teams over the years, and there's been a handful of winning seasons here for UTEP football. And so everybody gets excited before, you know, we're kind of like, and I say this as a Dallas Cowboy fan, uh, you know, they're kind of like Dallas Cowboy fans. You get real excited, and then, you know, there's a bit of a letdown. So they're, they're here, and they're willing to support, and they want to support. And if UTEP just wins a few games, they'll, they'll be out here, and they'll, they'll pack the stadium. I, I think there will be somewhere around 20,000 fans tomorrow, if I had to predict. All right, not bad. 
your description of the football culture sounds exactly like UNLV and their hardcore fans. All they need is a little morsel of winning, and they, they'll show up. Uh, but it's been so inconsistent of late. So these are both programs I want to reach that next level and start making bowl games consistently. Uh, Jacob Boggs is with us. He'll be on the call of the ESPN Plus uh, televised uh, UNLV UTEP game. Jacob, do you live in town? I do. Okay. Um, what's the best part about living in El Paso? You know, for me, uh, I love I love the weather. The weather is great almost year round. Um, we've got beautiful mountains here, and if you're if you're an outdoorsy person, it's a great place to be. If you love to hike, mountain bike, just get outdoors. It, it El Paso is a great place to be. That's what I love most about it. Are you a dive bar guy at all? <laughs> it's uh, I'm a little older now, so not as much. But uh, there's a lot of new bars in town that I'm not aware of. Talking to you know, people uh, that I run into, they say, hey, have you ever been to this place? And I've actually never heard of it. But, um, and that goes on. But, I, but one that's still going strong from when I was going to dive bars, uh, uh, one that I love, and it's not so much a dive bar, more of a beer garden, but Ossetuna's, great place, outdoor bar, yeah. beer garden. All right. This is the ultimate goal of this uh, conversation, by the way, because I'm probably <laughs> yeah. a lot older than you, and I'm still a dive bar guy. Uh, maybe that's a sad thing. Um, <laughs> We're, we're always looking for good restaurants on the road, uh, good bar restaurants. You got somewhere you really like in El Paso? Yeah, I love, um, you know, if for Mediterranean, there's Ferra's. If you want Mexican, you can find good Mexican food anywhere, so it's hard to pinpoint that. But uh, Avila's on the west side of town, uh, A-V-I-L-A, apostrophe S. If you want Italian, Como's, barbecue, Johnny's Pit barbecue, um, I hear Desert Oak, never been there, but everybody says it's great on the east side of town. Yeah. Um, so but I, 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 I was, I was going to say, I already hit, I already hit, I think it was El Taquito, which was, and I always like pronouncing it like that, um, uh, which I, I saw as a Mexican restaurant at Yelp was ranked number two. I did hit Desert Oak yesterday as well. Pretty good. It, it, was, it was pretty solid. So I, if you haven't been there, I would recommend going there. Um, and I don't have to tell you how to get there. I feel like everything in this town is around the main drag highway. I was I was walking on these highways, and I'm like, my God, these are speedways. It's a, like between giant trucks and just I'm I'm gonna sound really old here, but I'm just I'm saying it this way because of the noise on the cars, like the, like hot rods. That, like that's an old sounding thing, but the cars are so friggin' loud here, and these super highways in El Paso. Yeah, you're. <laughs> Are you over on the east side of town by the airport right now? Yes. Yeah, that that makes it so you're over close to Montana Street, and yeah, there's a lot of a lot of hot rods yep. and, and loud sounding vehicles. <laughs> so we'll see you out of the stadium tomorrow. Appreciate a couple minutes to preview of uh, UTEP football and El Paso. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Okay, now that he's gone, Adam, I'll tell you more about El Paso. But the more I'm here, it really feels like. A, just a hotter, more deserty on the border, Fresno or Albuquerque. Uh, like it's oh, yeah. strip malls and big roads.